you talk about what the copper grades and the copper intersections are at Woodlawn, Sulphur Springs and Woodlawn need good sink prices. This, I, I look at this play as really diversifying the business and de-risking base metals prices. Getting into lithium. I'm pretty keen to, to talk about how MinRes fit into all of this. Do you think it's not of their scale that they would want to develop, but they'd happily take the feed into the Mount Marion mill? Welcome back to another week, Money Miners. Mate, it is all on. Well, to welcome to the new financial year, 3rd of July, and Jesus Christ, it's bloody happening today, boys. Monday, we've got three big, decent things to talk about. Poor headlining it is, I would say, or well, probably equal tie. Don't wanna ups anyone here. Which yeah, one's headlining no, it? Mate? I, I'd say there's two. It's obviously developer taken over essential, and now Ramelius have entered the frame in the takeover for Musgrave. One was predicted. One was definitely not predicted. Very, very random. Trav JD, gentlemen, welcome to the new FY24. It's great to have you here. Welcome, yeah. mate. FY24. Mm. Welcome to our uh, second quarterly season as well. Oh, I know. I oh, know. Looking forward to that. And as requested by one of the money miners, aka Richard Leroy, we're going to do before the quarterlies come out a balance sheet 101. You boys are going to give a good rundown on how to analyze the balance sheets before this round of quarterlies. Well, they don't put out Is a balance it? sheet with the quarterlies. <laughs> so no, the, 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 they put out the 5B, but. Cash flow yeah, statement. Cash flow statement. Yeah, 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 them bloody things. Yeah. Anyway, you're going to do that, aren't you? Yeah, we Good know how stuff. to look at cash and we know how to look at debt and then that's it. Right. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Where do you want to start? Let's start with developing essential. Yeah, out of the blue, hey? Did not then pretty much, oh, I was thinking, man, I'll th maybe my word on the decline about developed by North Parks is coming true, but then this one come out and, God, I didn't pick this one. You were spreading rumours in the Hootaroo group chat. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm devo. But anyway, um. Very interesting and diverse, seeing develop diversify a bit. And we're going to go into when you look at the zinc price at the moment, you can probably see why they're diversifying. So they're going into lithium. It does fit their future facing green metals philosophy that develop started with, but very, does, very open pity. That is the different thing. Develop the, they've got three development projects now, mate. Not just two, so they, like, they can keep the name developed. That's for sure. Should yeah. we uh, run through the the price and whatnot for those who haven't followed it too closely? Hit it, boys, and go. And obviously, because we've got mineral resources, a bit of a player in this too. So, so they've slapped on a price of one hundred and fifty three million onto Essential, and this is of course Essential, who we spoke about not too long ago in a previous takeover attempt. That one was by Tianchi and IGO that fell through on the on the back of Minres intervening with a just under a 20% stake. So post this deal, Develop will have a $771 million market cap because they're also raising $50 million in the process. So that, that raising is um, – done at a $3.20 share price and the deal for Essential is valuing one developed share for every 6.18 Essential shares So old script, old script deal, but the capital raising in addition yep. to it as well. Yeah. Now, how good is the discount that Bill Beeman has managed to do this one at? So if you're looking at the five-day VWAP, the, it is a 3.5% discount and to last close, a 7.5% discount. That's, equity markets love him, mate. Yep. They Considering sure do. his uh he did an equity raise, one of his first ones after taking over Venture X was I think was like a fourteen percent premium. 
Yeah. Which you don't see too often. Yeah, but then it, it opened, buddy. Multiple of that. Double. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That was after. After it went up. Like he did a he did an equity Another raise one. before all the markets went to shit pretty much. But the capital raise, interesting, because Mr. Mm. Mr. William James Beeman said on this podcast that he was going to get to three to five billion with no dilution. No dilution. <laughs> and uh, we've thrown the line out. I reckon he's hopefully going to come on at the end of the week. We'll sure to be hit him up about that straight away. He he'll know it's coming. Yeah, absolutely but. love to hear hear the strategy. But I reckon on the placement, let's let's dig into that a bit more. So thirty million placement, and then twenty million in a one for twenty nine entitlement offer. So all the development, uh, all the develop directors will be taking up their their issue as well as Minres, who are a shareholder in Develop, previously roughly thirteen percent going to take up their entitlement as well as invest in the placement. So their investment all up will be $6.4 million. And this means develop after all this is tied up, this will be late October, early November, they'll have 82 million bucks in cash. That that counts the eight or so million that Essential currently has on the book. Now, if you break out the, the 50 million, where that's going, that's pretty interesting, Trav. You, you look deep into that. So 32 is actually going to, to yeah. Woodlawn. Yeah, yeah. So fifty million dollar equity raise of new, new cash in the door, thirty two of that to Woodlawn. So you know, I think it was framed as drilling and some um, preparation work for restart. Um, is that is that going to the mill refurb at all? Uh, that, no, sorry, the mill's ready to go, isn't it? Well, you, but you, there's modifi- there's modifications to do. There is. There? You look at like Timmy McCormack, who covers them, estimates fifty five million dollar restart costs there so uh i mean like if if you look at um the 32 here that's attributed to woodlawn some of that's drilling some of it's preparation works i think they still need a, a bit of an extra lick they might go debt seeing as um bill doesn't want dilution but um you know it might just be a more conservative debt piece to to get a little bit of extra in the door to to get that over the line we can put the question to bill when we speak to him later yeah i think um because they, they had to convert some of the plant for use of – because the way Heron were doing it is going to be different to how they're going to process it. That was my understanding. So that $50 million included that. You'd hope so. So there's still a bit of a sh- – so is there – so with their current cash they'll have out of this, they'll, that will be able to fund that entire restart at Woodlawn. Is that correct? Saying that they're going to have $82 nah, million. There's, bucks. No fully, there's no fully funded wording in here. I think they need a little bit of extra. After this as well, I think so. And but the I suppose the A revenue they got coming in is from the contracting side of the business at Bellevue, yeah, and whatever else they and pick up for probably, probably slim margins because they're paying workers quite a lot, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they, and I suppose that's the thing because they because they got a, when you got a mixed business, you can't. It doesn't say what they just make out of the contracting side of the business because it's all consolidated. So um, You're right. I reckon we should have a little chat about what the, the strategy is here. It's obviously, like you said at the beginning of the show, Matt, it's not one we saw coming. And just unpacking Essential and Pioneer Dome, their asset a bit more, is I guess why we didn't see it coming. This is an open pit style of um, mine plan. They came out with their scoping study earlier this year. It was pre-production capex of $293 million. That involved uh, 36 million in contingency cash. They were targeting 193,000 tons at 5.7% spodumene, and that was going to come from three open pits. No mention of underground in there. So, is there, is there any expiration below the current 
pit depths. They had quite large tenements. There's going to be exploration around. The um, the ore body was, you know, dipping quite sort of steeply. So there's, yeah. you know, underground development in the um, future. And given developed mining experience that the team have, you know, and that it's a battery metal, you know, in that sense, the strategy makes sense. But I'm keen to hear what you guys sort of think about their their move into lithium. Well, I suppose if if they've got the exploration potential and they've got potential below those pits to go underground, they can go, they can start developing undergrounds in parallel with the open pits because you can get down. You you can obviously get down deeper in an underground quicker than you can with a with an open pit. Um, is it, can you, is it you, how do you take a view on going underground at this early stage? Is a scoping study that just says a pit like pits? It's not, you know, I don't know. It, it feels a bit off strategy from the underground piece to me. But you think of who was doing the exploration and the studies; they would have been looking at looking at it as an open pit only. Like they probably wouldn't have considered underground in the early stages, whereas developing that or of their that is their skill set and they're like, well, we can do we got the we got the expertise to do both straight up. So they've got the optionality. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to hear what Bill has to say about it. And we, we saw a LinkedIn post from him, JD. Uh which yeah. which I think I think adds some insight onto what the strategy is here. What was the LinkedIn post, Maddie? You got the wording there? Well off off the top of the head he said they're going to looking to become an IGO with Minrez capability. Yeah. So I, I misread it at the start. I thought, oh, well, Minrez must be doing it with them. Yeah. But no, it's saying they're going to be IGO, which is a multi, like uh, multi, multi, multi diversified multi, battery metals business. Yeah. yeah with um, but then they've got the mining, mining services. services expertise. Yeah. So um, I see it as I see it as yeah, like more like I don't see it as um, on strategy in the sense of the the underground mining, but I just see it as as a message to the market that we're getting into lithium, we're interested in this space and don't think of us as a copper zinc company anymore. Well, I, and I look at if look, if we bring this chart up of the zinc price over five years, so you look in just the last year and a bit, it is US dollars per pound, it's pretty much halved. So there's- Yeah, I mean, the last what, year has been pretty rough for a lot of base metals, but you're, you're dead right. It's not, you know, even zooming out longer than that time frame. Not been been too flash, has it? Nah, and Woodlawn, like as much as you talk about what the copper grades and the copper intersections are at Woodlawn, um, Sulphur Springs and Woodlawn need good zinc prices mm. for them to work. So if zinc is zinc is shit, uh, this I, I look at this play as really diversifying the business and de-risking uh, the base metals prices and getting into. Getting into lithium. Sure. Keep um, in mind it all, it all. It also just comes off the back of the Sulphur Springs um, study, which came out on Friday. We didn't talk about it because we put up an interview instead. But you know, like that was a, a study that uh, I, I think it was, you know, just okay. It didn't knock the lights out. There was, and it's mostly it's a lot of zinc. A lot of zinc. It's Pre-tax zinc. NPV numbers quoted, not post, no, no post-tax ones, which sort of tells you that the numbers aren't knockout there. And they'll tell my understanding of that is that it's predominantly zinc. It was copper, copper up the top, and more zinc down the bottom. And they were they eliminated the oxide, the oxide component of it, from my understanding. And they they were just going straight underground, um, going deeper to the fresh material, and which. I would assume is, has a lot more zinc. So yeah. So this this deal gives 
you know, the team um, something else to talk about there. If if the market had, was a bit jaded about Sulphur Springs, then, you know, you can talk about the lithium strategy now. Well, comments I got from uh, Mr. Dalio had a bit of a yarn, bit of see what they thought. They thought they should have gone bigger. Like, like Essential's not a knockout operation. It's not that big. Is it, is it part of something bigger in the future for develop? Bald um, Hill. Yeah, Bald Hill. Like would have you thought that if they were going to go big, would have they gone for Delta? Because mm. Delta's Mount Ida's, um, Mount Ida's got a lot of underground. Uh, that's going to be a lot of underground mining. So that'll be a bit at the start. So, look, is is that still on the radar for them? I think I think I think Bold Hills the one that comes into play, just given the region, right? Because yeah, we, mm. we keep hearing that Bold Hills coming on the market at the end of the year. Um, it's an operating mine, not too far from Kalgoorlie. I think we're in a pretty early innings of the the M and A cycle with regard to lithium as well. So well, well but this, hey, this one wasn't wasn't on anyone's radar. No, it wasn't. I'm sure and it's obviously on Bill's radar since he'd done the deal. And then there's so. another question that sort of springs to mind. What does it mean for the Liontown tender? So when we spoke with Bill, he was, I think he just submitted the tender, was about to. It kind of makes me think initially, maybe it's not the, the focus anymore. You know, it's going to be a while yet before that's actually announced, but. Yeah, no, they were pretty, obviously very bullish on it at the start. It's still, um, my understanding, still, Shortlisted between Develop Bar, Minko, and Burncut. Yep. Um, not yet been announced. Um, who knows? With any contract tender, you can talk to three different people, and all three t- people think they've a, a different company's got it. So until that's announced, we um we won't know. I do I do look at this play. I would highly I would highly doubt that in terms of re- company resources. Taking on the line because that Lion Town contract is a big, a big job. Yeah. Um, and then purchasing this and running your mining services in this, it's going to consume a lot of resources. So I can't. I would. Yeah. Don't know. Wait, exactly. wait till the. Oh. I reckon there's another take, and and I I'm just yeah speculating here, mate, because I like to just create a little bit of um speculation. But but I I kind of think the the capital raise. You get more cash in the door. Look at how much of that cash is coming in ASAP. So they've structured it with a placement. Also in Anrio, I'm assuming they're going to accelerate bill, accelerate MinRed. So there's a bunch of cash you get in early. Maybe one of the criticisms that was posed to them in the tendering process was that, you know, when we look at you compared to the others that are shortlisted, your balance sheet isn't as robust. So can you, if you had a, if you had a stronger balance sheet, more cash, then we would. Um, see less potential risk in in, in choosing you. It's, it's a pretty low probability that this is part of the rationale to get the line down tender. But, you know, kind of if you had more more cash, maybe that's looked upon semi-favorably in the tendering process. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they're not out, not out of the – it's not definite that they're not going to get the line down thing. It's just, uh, yeah, God, they'd have to – that'd become pretty massive pretty quickly. That'd be about six or 700 people working on that contract. Mate, I'm, Once it's full gal. I'm pretty keen to, to talk about how MinRes fit into all of this. Like keep in mind, Min Resources are a bloody big shareholder of Essential themselves. They came in at the 11th hour and picked up an, a 19.5% stake in Essential to block the IGO Tianchi JV from getting over the line to take it over. MinRes, they paid 51 cents a share for, for that stake in in essential and and now they they're basically you know using their stake as and they've entered a voting um, agreement with develop to say that they'll you know vote vote for it in the absence of, of something superior 
Um, and it's that's at 56 cents per share and most of that. And that's all in script, right? So they're only making 2 million bucks from that um, trade. They blocked IGO Tianchi, but they're happy to have developed there. What do you, what do you make of that? Oh, J.D. My take would be that Minres were putting themselves in between the Essential and IGO Tianchi deal because they didn't obviously want IGO Tianchi getting it. And they're not at odds with um, with develop, and they're they you know okay with develop getting that asset. Do you think it's not of their scale that they would want to develop, but they'd happily take the feed into the Mount Marion Mill without having to be the developer and operator of the mine? Is it would they <laughs> operate because they looks like they're, they're tried so. between um, they've got Wajner and Mount Marion, two pretty big operations. Yep. Two like getting sim- similar to what Westgold did just like have rather than having a lot of little things have just small amount of operations but big ones they think maybe that essential didn't fit their business model to actually run it as an extra job whereas like this sort of fits the mold right where they're a shareholder in developed 13 percent they were 15 they're now 13 because of the um exercised options over the time um sort of fits it's like it's easy for them we'll just take the dirt and run it through the mount marion plant yeah, I think that's a pretty believable angle to to take as to why Minres didn't end up scooping essential. But it was yeah, whether this was a I'm, I'm sure this blocking stake was gave him the option like gave him the flexibility and the options for to make a deal like this happen. So whether this was planned in advance, I'm not sure. But um yeah, will there be another one? Will there be will this be is this a bit of a run for development possibly? From Minrez, no, for develop. What are they? Oh. What's their like? What's their? They've only got three development projects. You've Got to build one. Yeah, I know, but they're oh, they um, nearly got one built. Yeah. Are they gonna? Are they gonna be? Because re- everything at, to this stage was really copper zinc. That was what what they had. Copper zinc base metals. Now they're opening up this lithium can. Is this going to be the start of a bit of a? you wouldn't say a purchasing spree or really starting to get the lithium leg of develop going. I mean, just buying them is one thing, you know, putting the, the money into developing the assets mm. is, is a whole nother thing, you know. Yeah. The, the more you buy, the the less capital you've got to develop them all, so. Yeah. Or anything else? What's your predictions here, boys? I can't are imagine they anyone else take it? come in. I think they'll, they'll get this and we'll see where they go from there. Bill will tell us. This week, hopefully. Yeah, Genesis. Genesis Reserve statement come out today. So that was something that we're all talking about, waiting to hear what the Ulysses Reserve was going to be based on there only being a resource. So at the start, Ulysses total mineral resource was 2 million ounces at 1.6 grams and there it's come back their reserve is 630,000 ounces at two grams. So that includes the open pit and the underground, all Ulysses, Admiral, all that that whole uh, Leonora Gold project, they call it, for the Genesis side. So We've been waiting for this one, Matty, because they announced that they'd started some mining there or some preparation work for mining. Yeah, getting already. the pit ready. Yeah, so they've done that and they're doing the cutback for the Ulysses pit, so it's ready for ready for underground development. And we're going to talk about that wording about what the timeline's looking like for the next couple of years. So, look, the Ulysses resource, so the Ulysses is one part of the Leonora Gold project. So their, their resource was 850,000 ounces at 3.4 grams. And they did say that 
363,000 ounces at 6.4 grams is contained in high-grade shoots for that. That was their March 2022 mineral resource estimate. So their maiden ore reserve for Ulysses has come back at 360,000 ounces at 3.3, so a bit under half of their resource has been converted into reserve. But the underground, because we're, we're, we're looking at that high, those high-grade shoots of 6.4 grams in the resource, we're lying, our question was how much of that is going to convert into reserve. So the underground reserve has come back at 250,000 ounces at 3.7 grams. So look what's the about a bit under a third of the Ulysses resource has been converted into that higher grade underground reserve and how three, does how does that happen Maddie what's the like well three okay so are you saying right they've they're saying that there's these high grade 6.4 gram shoots how does that come back at 3.7 grams for a reserve yeah to a bloody numpty like me that doesn't know mining well well, Travis, I now couldn't couldn't really see like about the scale and depth. Like, so I don't know if they've actually how much of at depth of the resource they've included in the reserve. They didn't have um, didn't look like there was RLs on it, um, unless I've missed it. But you see here in the comments, so they leave. It's not a pace fill operation, so you leave staggered rib pillars and. Uh, five meter width and with sill, sill pillars located on 80 meter space. And so it sounds like yeah, they leave pillars in between stopes and um, sill pillars, which are horizontal ones. So, so those pillars stay there forever. So that's you're losing part of the resource already. So you can lose, you know, 20 up to around 20% or so of your resources gone straight away just in pillars yeah. compared to if you're pace filling or gotcha. yeah. So that's one bit. Then you look at. Uh, the geology, it says, within the Ulysses shear zone, mineralization is typically one to eight metres thick at a, and dip at 30 to 50 degrees to the north. Now, I assume that is, yeah, that would be the dip of the ore body because plunge is what goes as it goes to depth. So dip is the angle. So when it dips at 30 to 50 degrees, that comes in higher amounts of dilution and lower amounts of recovery because – you need the ore body to dip at around 55 degrees for the rock to naturally rill and under gravity. When it goes flatter, it doesn't rill. So, what does it, rill mean? Ah, uh, fall. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, where's the bloody, I don't know, say you got a wall and you pour, you pour, pour a bit of sand on it. Will it like, will it sit on the wall or will it flow down the wall to the bottom? Dependent on that, that's what the real angle is. And they put some sort of numbers to this. They say the the overbreak represents dilution of approximately fifteen percent, yeah. as well the in situ stope recovery is assumed at ninety percent. So, yeah. so fifteen percent means that you're taking fifteen percent of waste yeah. with that, say the resource grade. So that dilutes it. So say it's like a fifteen uh, percent capital raise. Yeah, you dilute the share price by fifteen percent. Share price is the grade of the ore body. Um, and then you've also, and then in situ stope recovery is, is assumed at ninety percent, and that's after exclusion of rib and sill pillars. So that, so that's saying that um, because of the real angle, there might be gold left on the foot wall, on that flat wall, that you won't recover. So that's saying if there's a thousand ounces in a stope, you'll only get nine hundred out, and there'll be a hundred sitting on the foot wall or potentially um, not recovered. 
So once you apply that recovery, the dilution, and depending on where that is, that's why that resource grade goes down. And it goes down more on these flat dipping ore bodies because of the recovery and potentially the higher amount of dilution. So that 15%, if they if they achieve 15% dilution unplanned on a 30 to 50 degree ore body, that would be a very good result. That's probably on the lower end of what's practically achievable because um, if you get one that really, really falls in, she uh, can cause some dramas. So mm. I thought, why not do – I've got on the tools, boys. Mate, mate before, you, before you go there, just um, congrats for your, for your call on this one because I think, you know, you were loud about your oh, – maybe scepticism of um, – of the reserve sort of, you know, living up to expectations a bit. And I think I think that's what's happened here. Yeah. And oh, as we said, we don't know how there might be more at depth um, that hasn't been included in this reserve. As we said, they've only um, converted a bit under a third of the resource into reserve. So there might be other high-grade stuff there that hasn't been drilled out properly or it's a bit deeper. So, but yeah. It just, show, just shows that like what a resource-to-reserve calculation can be. Um, so, yeah, got on the tools. I thought, why not look at, I guess, some of the well-known mines around Australia, a couple around the world, but mostly the ASX companies, what their underground reserves are, reserve grades and tonnages are, and show, I guess, where <clears throat> where this Ulysses Reserve sits. So... Travis put the bloody cream on this cake for me. He's um, I, I collated it. I went through all the companies, got their reserves for their underground operations, and the big fella has come up with the goods. I said, I want something like this, and he's done it. The Mate, bubble you did, graph. You did the shit kick at work. You bloody uh, sourced the, the was, raw data, and all I had to do was bloody make was, it look good. I was the analyst, and yeah. uh, you're the, uh, so I, I guess, the big, dick, <laughs> the big dick fund manager yeah, that's, that's uh, right. just done the – I'll put some the, comments on the pack saying, please redo. So if we look at this, so this graph we're looking at here. Matty, sh- explain it, I reckon, for people just listening to the audio, what, what you mapped up here. So I mapped up, right, based okay. on the grade of reserves, what the reserve grade is how many ounces are contained in that and the tonnage as well. So we're looking at the graph. So head on to YouTube if you're not already. Hey, give it a subscribe while you're there. But head to the YouTube video um, and you look at the bottom. So if you go along like this shows how big the deposits are, the tons. The size of the bubble is how many ounces are contained and the height along the graph, the y-axis, is the grade. So – the best place to be, look, Bruce Jack is a real standout. So that's Newcrest. So it's like it's got, what, 40 million tonne at a bit below nine grams for uh, a lot of answers. So that's really a really good deposit. So, you know. So to, to visualise, you want to be at the top right of this you, chart you want it, you want to be a at big the, bubble. You want to be at the top right. So you look at Penny. So Penny is Romelius's operation. Very high grade. I think it's about 14 gram reserve, but – Low tonnage. Oh, yeah. Oh, looking at that, it's about a couple hundred thousand tonne. Yeah, that's right. So, and then you head down to another one, Fosterville. So, the proven part of Fosterville was significantly higher. I think that was about 20, but I've just combined that this is proved and uh, probable. So, you know, Fosterville, I think a lot of its grades dropped off. So, Fosterville and Pogo are pretty high. They're up near eight to nine. Bellevue, Bellevue are a bit above six. Um, so, yeah, and you look at Gualia. Look at where Gualia's sitting. A lot of ounces. Um, 
yeah, 12, 12 million ton at a bit below at five grams. So um, then you got KCGM far right, but down low. So it's only two grams, but it's got about 20, bit under 20 million tons. So you can see where Ulysses is sitting. So that's on sort of the lower end. Um, very similar to well, its nearby neighbours of where it's sitting, Dukedon South, which is Regis. That's your Garden Well, Rosemont. Um, SKO, Northern Star, very similar to that. So they're sort of on that in that corner you don't want to be because um, they haven't got the scale yet. So, yeah, they're a bit lower than SKO, a bit lower than Deflector and uh, a bit lower than Norseman for Pantoro. So that's where they're sitting. Yeah, it's good. Good job on the graph, Trav. Mate, good work on the data sourcing. Yeah, I wonder how many how many how many companies are going to put out something like this now. I, I, I want, if I can see this chucked in a research report or something, <laughs> I'll give someone permission to use this because if I can see this replicated somewhere, I'll be stoked. <laughs> I reckon it exists somewhere. I'd be, yeah, God, I've seen it plenty in the lithium ones. Um, yeah, they love a bubble yeah. chart. That's because none of them are producing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you look at this graph here. So this was their March 2022 mineral resource. So because um, see how the Ulysses one, they got the, it's all that high grade in the guts there. Um, the takeaway from this chart to me is, is um, yeah, it's not like a sensational underground mine. Well, it won't be just based on its peer benchmarking, but um, yeah. And there's and there's a bit of obviously a bit of risk in due to the dip in terms of the production rate uh, potential overbreak and recovery. Um, so it just highlights a bit of risk, which is the same issues that Gualia face as well. Having so, said that, this chart doesn't capture costs. Yeah, there's there's you know mines spotted all over it on every end of that chart that you know have problematic costs or have good costs as well. So yeah. Doesn't really factor that in. Yeah, Maddie. Um, so now that the the deal's wrapped wrapped up more or less. How did they sort of start explaining where the the answers are going to come from? So they're obviously going to be running Gualia now for the for the future, and they're going to start to tie in all their their other assets, you know, and start ideally sooner rather than later. I think by the end of the year, having answers moving to the the underutilized mill at Gualia. So what did you what did you find digging into that? Well, you look at you look at this graph here. It just shows the underutilization of the Gualia mill over time. This is based on ounces, not based on tons. But um, – and now, look, a bit of the wording seems to have changed from their, their quarterly. So what I read from this, it's saying that for the next two years, the Admiral Open Pit is going to be supplementing – the Gualia, uh, is going to be going into the Gualia mill with the Gualia feed – to get it up to that 1.4 million ton. So I think so it I think says one and a half million ton of ore is going from Admiral to Gualia over the next two years. And then it says on the end here, add Ulysses. So looking at the wording, so you've got Admiral coming in, it says here first ore December quarter, 2023, supplying for FY24 and 25. And then you're going to, up until then, you're going to have short-term Gualia producing 120 to 130 as a standalone on a standalone basis before Admiral, so at a rate of 120 to 130 per annum. And then it says the ability of Admiral to fill the Leonora mill over the next two years affords Genesis the flexibility to op optimally match Ulysses' underground development with the equipment and labour requirements of the Gualia underground mine. And there was a lot of talk about there's going to be a strategic review about Gualia um, and they're going to update the market next year with a five-year outlook. So – 
it looks like from this they're going to, and they did mention it, they're going to slow Gualia down once they've got, I assume, the Ulysses coming on um, and they've got a bit more flexibility with this Admiral law going in over the next two years. But, yeah, re- reading that, it looks like, right, Gualia will slow down. Some of the resources from uh, Gualia will go to Ulysses potentially. It's not sure. It looks like they've got the they've got the options. They haven't decided yet, and they're going to update the market um, at a later time. So, yeah, it's. I think did they say in the quarterly previously that they Ulysses was going to be coming online? I'm not sure. Yeah, they said that they'd done the the development there, but obviously you can see the announcement today that they're giving themselves a bit more flexibility. Yeah. And then maybe worth mentioning as well, in roughly three or so years, we should see Tower Hill yeah. being ready to add ounces as well. So they've, they're strong on the wording that uh, Ulysses will be ready for underground development, but they're not pulling the trigger on it. The only <laughs> thing that you can say they're pulling the trigger on is the Admiral open pit. It feels like a bit of a... A pivot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought in the quarterly they said something about that Ulysses was going to be coming online, ready for development. Mm. Um, because like, yeah, you know, the recent... Yeah, we did read those words just before. There was also a bit of action at the Mount Morgans stuff as well. So obviously still sort of belonging to Dacian, which Genesis now have, you know, a bit over 80% of. And they're going to be sending some of their infrastructure to Ulysses. Yeah, well, it says here, preparation of the West Australia underground surface infrastructure for relocation and installation at Ulysses. So it looks like all the dongers and offices and, yeah, whether it's a workshop as well, I'd assume, that's all going to Ulysses. So you can pretty much put your money on Mount Morgan's Dacian, that underground side not restarting um, in the near future because they're taking a lot of the infrastructure away from there. They updated their reserves today too. Yeah, Yep. So, um, yeah, be be interesting six months for them by the sound. So they'll be waiting for this Admiral Law to come online, December quarter. Um, will they be able to manage the cash losses from Gualia? Will they be able to at least run it break even? Not sure because obviously uh, they were not making well – f- They're well-funded, right? They're gonna, yeah, they got plenty of cash to – yeah. Have a have a good crack at something, mate. But we'll we'll um. Can you stop talking about Leonora? I'm keen to talk about Murchison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stoked with me bloody graph that you did the bubble on, oh, mate. Trav, thanks again, mate, for bloody uh, delivering on that bubble thing. I've got no idea what any of those bloody formulas you were writing mean. But um, mate, <laughs> what's going it. on? <clears throat> head, let's head north. Oh, we've called this one. Well, kind of. Yeah, we did. I reckon we, I reckon we you throw enough darts at the board and one of them will land, I reckon. 180. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, mate, Remelius, they've come in. They, they're going uh, – they've had a crack at Musgrave. Uh, so they've they've come out today. They've got a recommended takeover offer for Musgrave. And, of course, Musgrave previously uh, knocked back the takeover offer from Westgold on a, on a value basis. And, and now they've come out recommending shareholders to accept the Remelius one. So they've got the directors and the biggest shareholders. So together, I think 12.3% uh, in line with them to ready to agree. Yeah, that's that's right. So, I mean, pretty pretty interesting, right? So you don't – and. On that on that specific um, recommended acceptance, the directors and the largest shareholder Westamex in that in this case, they um, the way that it's structured is that in the um, you know after the on the takeover offer is is launched, so you can expect that to be mid July based on when the bidder's statement is signaled to be dispatched. There will be five days 
um, of sort of weight before that they, they've agreed to accept into the offer. Um, so, you know, Westcott will have five days from mid-July to, to up the price ultimately, mm. uh, see if they can come up with a better deal. So let's let's compare the deals for for a minute now. So the implied offer price is thirty four cents. That's one Romelia share for every four point two one Musgrave shares held, plus four cents cash for each Musgrave share held. So we spoke whenever we last spoke about it a week or so ago about the potential for a cash kicker in this deal. So the deal values Musgrave at two hundred one million. And it's also conditional upon 50.1% acceptances, but not subject to further due diligence. So that's something that played a big role in our in our discussions around the Silver Lake, you know, Gualia deal, that importance of having those two weeks for them to do the due diligence. But it looks like they've been in the data room and done the work here, doesn't it? I reckon they've done DD. I mean, it's come out as recommended from both sides, which to me signals uh, they've looked under the hood. So it's also been reiterated that... Uh, Musgrave shareholders reject the the West Gold bid, and just to stack them up, when that West Gold bid initially came out, it was valuing the company at roughly thirty cents a share. But given that a lot of that was, or all of it, was coming from stock, that's fallen away in line with the the West Gold share price coming off. Does that does that take into account that of West Gold's share price going back up today? I think they're up. 6%. So pre today, it had fallen off. I think to just below twenty seven, and then yeah, like you say, they're up. I think last time I checked, six percent. So to be yeah. a bit over that again now. Yep. So when the uh, presentation was shown today, Romelius were showing that their bid is 27% better or superior, but, you know, there was there, the there, reference there, point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So we spoke a lot about when that came out. Obviously, there was the big deal of potential information being leaked on on the 5th of June, that Monday public holiday in WA, mm-hmm. and then the, the undisturbed share price. Take a look at what? Romelius uh, reference as the undisturbed share price, and they they literally used the terminology undisturbed share price in um in in their recommended offer here. They referenced the fifth of June, Maddie. Uh, so basically, they're they're saying that the fifth of June trading was undisturbed. So they're kind of um there's there's they're supporting the Musgrave board's narrative that uh, the trading activity on the fifth of June was. Not a disturbance. So ah, that right. that was the That's day that saw the six times greater than normal trading yeah. volume. Share price went up. Six, seven, eight. Which is fascinating, right? And I think I think you know, Romelius's offer today would obviously look even better if they were benchmarking it against the 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 day of trading before that. However. I think what's happened here is because this has come out as a recommended takeover offer from um, both sides. The Musgrave board has maybe had a word in the uh, in the reference point here, so you've got you know a bit of a, a bit of a narrative being built that that was not a leak. So there's something else that stood out in the in the presentation that Romelius put out that I want to chat about, guys. So they updated, they sort of gave a quarterly update as well, and they said 272 million dollars in uh, cash. They've got no drawn debt. They've got a 100 million dollar facility. So it lead, led me to think, you know, why are they doing this pretty much all with stock? You know, the f- $0.04 cents component is in cash. And then you look in and one of, one of the pages have got their strategic priorities. Number one is feed existing hubs. So that's exactly what this is doing. And then number two, acquire a third hub. So maybe, maybe they're keeping that big, big pile of cash ready for something. This was a question posed on that uh, conference call. I tuned into it. Uh, JAD and um, one of the the analysts that asked the question um, on the call basically said, "What's the rationale for for using uh, script? Given you up 
you know, you've come out today and you said you got $272 million of cash. Uh, and what the what the Remelius's response to that question was is that, well, in our discussions with the board of Musgrave and the largest shareholders there, they had a preference for retained upside by virtue of holding stock, um, but they did see the little bit of a cash component as important. I call bullshit on that one. I reckon they're keeping the cash for something else. What do yeah. you reckon? Caruso, damn. Just take, just take a peek at the map that they put in in their announcement today and you can see, you know, in line with their strategic objectives, Caruso, damn. It, well, it, it would just sit quite well with with you know the the assets they've accumulated in that region. Oh, they have to they have to have unless they want to build a mill for Lake Rebecca, um, they need Caruso Dam. That's bloody that's long and the short of it. Can't see anyone wanting to um besides so what you've got Lion Town, Bellevue, which other my companies at the moment are building mills? Everyone's buying them. Can you think of any? The ones mills in construction, Bellevue and Lion Town? Jeez. On the spot. Oh, yeah. No, Mineral Sands, Sheffield's building a mill right now. Oh, uh, yeah. But like no gold, no other gold miners are building mills, are they? Linus is just finishing their cracking and leaching facility. Strand line is ramping up. That's finished. No one's beat. What's the – yeah, so I guess <laughs> your latest ones are what? Calidus Red 5 and Pantoro pretty much. All the ones yeah. that have had drums, the, the newest. BCI, mate. They're, yeah, poof. I mean – yeah, that's a, yeah. Anyway, overall, not many gold mills getting built at the moment besides the Bellevue one. So, um, nah, buy over build, hey, buy over build. So, so what's that? So the three, the three hubs will be Mount Magnet, potential uh, Edna May, and potentially a Car- something in the Lake Rebecca area, which we can nearly assume will be Carasu Dam. Yeah, if Northern Star sell it, so that's the three now, hubs. Now, do you guys think it's a coincidence that it's come out on the the first day after the quarter? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think the way I interpret that one, JD, is um, they've, yeah, it actually to me reads a lot like these companies have been talking for a while. Yeah. Um, no DD, you know. It's, yeah, they've done, DD's been done, right? Yeah. Uh, it's recommended as well. So that's, you know, a good tell that discussions have been happening for a bit potentially. Uh, and, and also like, you know, the West Gold, um, West Gold seemed it seemed to be opportunistic, right? We talked about that, and now you see Ramilius coming to the fray. They probably just wanted to to you know come out on, from a strong position and say, look, look at our bloody um, enormous cash build, strong position to launch launch off. It comes out the first day in the new financial year when you can rinse those numbers out into the market and um, and lob this this bid. I think that's the way I read it. I had some other uh, takeaways when I dialed into that conference call to JD. Yeah. Um, one was actually just in relation to the timing that they talked about incorporating the ore from Musgrave into their mill. They actually said it would it would be between eighteen and twenty four months. Now that that's that makes, different to what Wayne said. He was hoping to have it processed within twelve months. Yeah, but from Romelius's point of view, that makes perfect sense given that they've got the all the agreements in place now to ramp up the ore coming from Penny. It was going at sort of half capacity or whatever. So, and that's a very short mine life there as well. So they can develop it properly there. That makes sense from their point of view. Well, what, I think, what, I think what it highlights like that West Gold, West Gold need the ore quicker than oh. Romelius. Well, I think yeah. it's just about, like, yeah, 
order what what's displacing the high grade right they've got high grade but but also like there was a directly referenced in the goal the fact that there's various various legislation everyone is still getting their heads around and don't want to say he doesn't want to say six to twelve months when realistically it could be more like eighteen to twenty four well, so it might they, be a bit of a jab to, well they West need Gold. to get it in now because the when they made that comment the legislation hadn't been pushed back 12 months. Yeah, well, I, I actually think the way to read that is... But it's coming um, out today. I reckon the way to read that is like, don't believe Westcold's assumption. That's the way to read that. There were a couple other things that stood out as well. Obviously, with so much of the steel coming from script, Romelius were quick to promote how good their script is. And it, and that's important. We spoke about it with Westgold as well. They need to convince the, the shareholders of Musgrave that they want to take on their script. So just some of the wording, Romelius demonstrated operational capabilities, the opportunity to become a shareholder in Romelius is a, a larger and more liquid vehicle. And they also gave a bit of a list on what they called their successful acquisitions as five or six that have been done over the past few years and integrated into their production hubs. So the market's given this a bit of a shrug, you know, the, the stock is off a couple of percent, but they're going to be on that on that quest to continue to demonstrate that their stock is worth it and hope it doesn't come off like we saw with West Gold or in other deals like we saw with Silver Lake come off so massively because that can be quite damaging to the deal. I think it's been interesting timing how it's all worked because Musgrave took a long time to get put a target statement out for the West Gold offer and they finally did and then pretty much the next week after the Romelius deal comes in with no required due diligence. So there was um, – yeah. yeah, I think you're a, right and I think it speaks to – on there. To what Trav touched on before as well, with it, you know, being the the beginning of the new quarter, they had a, a bit of a build in in cash. You yeah. know, things were going well. They could flex that balance sheet a bit more. Mm-hmm. The big takeaway f- for me on this one is Musgrave's going to be sold, right? It's just a matter of to who and for how much now, because you've come out with a price that the board is happy to say we're happy to be sold at this price. You got a recommended yes, so you know it's going to sell, right? It's just whether or not West Gold comes back in with a higher offer or not now. Just on the shareholder front, so they've got the pre-bid um, uh, agreement with with Westminx. You've also got Jettisee sitting there with a 9% shareholding. I'm sure they would have been approached as well, but you can see there's no mention of them. They're holding their cards close, close to their chest and just retaining optionality, I think, to potentially support a different deal. Yeah, and beyond Westminx, I think the top 20, you know, the remaining top 20 held roughly 40% of the stock. So Romelius be working hard to convince Including those gold themselves. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, Evolution had 3 yeah. or 4% too. Yeah. Right, what's next? What's the uh, projected timeline of news flow that yeah. Money Mine will deliver to the fans out there? Yeah, well, it's just mid, mid-July. There's going to be a bit of statement dispatched and from within five days of that offer being open, West Gold's going to have to you know, come up with a high price if uh, they want the, the board and um, West Penexas um, shares to be sold into a different offer. So the question is just do, do West Gold put in a higher offer? I think value's still on the table there for them uh, because – Remember the wording of Wayne talking about the other deal? He said, um, safe to say it's very accretive at the prices that we're looking at before. So I think value is still there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them come in. But he also did guide towards being quite disciplined. So I reckon that I reckon they might come in with one more offer here. That's my um, guess. But I don't think they'll get carried away. Matty, what do you reckon? Well, do they? do you think they'll have the ability to offer as much the cash kicker like Romelius have, yeah. Well, they'll they'll have to they'll have to dilute for it. No, they? they've got they've got a good chunk of cash now. What they're are they? What are, what's their cash balance? 
uh, cash and liquid investments at 168 million bucks at the end of March, Maddie. So yeah, yeah, plenty of wiggle room there. So extra cash is not out of there. Uh, there, you would argue what maybe that West Gold can afford to chuck more cash in than Remelius because, as as you said, highlighting that they probably want to save some cash for the Karasu Dam play. Should that know. come about? I don't know. But um, I, I think um, either way, it's such a, a relatively small component. Who yeah. needs it more? Do you think? Uh, both, well, like both. Mm. I'd argue that Westgold need it more. Have you seen the, the reserves at, at um, Mount Magnet for Amelia? I mean, there's not much there. Um, Overall, they came out today and said they got, I think, 1.1 million ounces in reserve and their um, guidance was between 240 and 260. So, I think that Great Fingal, like you look at Great Fingal, it's all surface long holes from surface for the uh, the drilling that they're doing at Great Fingal, Westgold. So... That implies that uh, a lot of underground rehab to do and to get back access back into that mine, rehab and pumping to get back down the bottom of it. So I reckon this is pretty important for Westgold to de-risk bringing Great Fingal online uh, to give them a bit more time. I reckon so, it's important for them both, mate, because Penny's high grade runs out pretty quick. Mm. There you go. Good work, boys. And we've got a uh, jam-packed week for the money miners, hey? Oh, we've got a uh, couple of good things got in the a works. Fundy coming on tomorrow. Over East yep. Fundy, uh, and I'll give you a hint: heavily invested in Canada. Mm. I hope he's going to say that because I've just given it away. All right, what else? Well, uh, I think JD's gone deep on uranium, mate. So we're uh, play that. I have uh, a bit on the macro side. Hey, money miners, get in the Facebook group as well. Money Miners Facebook group, uh, the Hooteroo chat, and don't ask – stop messaging me about you can't get into the Hooteroo chat because every person that's messaging me about it isn't in the Money Miners group. It's driving me nuts. you got to join the Money Miners group. Link is in the show notes. Join the Facebook group, then you get access to the Hooteroo chat. Uh, love you all, Money Miners, except Hooteroo. the ones that message me about that. It's annoying. Hooteroo. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.